Warning. What you're about to hear is born of long years of deep friendship, shared experience, brutal honesty, and the reconciling grace of Jesus Christ. Please do not walk up to the first black or white person you know and start this sort of banter. It will not end well. Welcome to Racial Heresy, the show where two Episcopal priests, one black, one white, attempt to violate the established racial doctrines of American culture and provoke you to do the same. Allow me to introduce Father Jabel Ballantine, an anti-racism training, black power claiming, Virgin Island supporting priest, husband, father, friend, and all-around good Negro. And allow me to introduce Father Case Ramey, a liberal heart-bleeding, NPR-streaming, Tanahasi coach-reading, social justice-preaching, priest, husband, father, friend, and all-around high-quality cracker. How are you, my brother? I am well, thank you. Thank you very much. So happy to be here this morning. Um, mostly, you know, I'm I'm settled. I'm in my own environment, feeling comfortable, and that's uh, that's where I do best, right? You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, about uh, that, about that, right, y'all. So it's been a while since we've actually been in the saddle doing a show. We put out one from the crates a week ago, uh, but. We've been traveling. So we've had Case outside yes. of his comfort zone. We've been traveling, been touring, doing some speaking and, and, and putting him on the spot, which is always something I love to do. Uh, and so we'll be posting some of that stuff online. You can see it on our, on our YouTube channel and on our website, racialheresy.com, and check out what we've been up to. Uh, if you want us to come speak and cause some trouble in your neck of the woods, let us know. We'll be glad to do that. Uh, but uh, today's a special day, man. You know, I had to get back mm. in the saddle for this. Uh, a, a new brother of mine that I just happened to meet, he was kind enough, because I'm one of those Twitter bombs, right? I just I just see people, and i like, oh, man, I'd like to talk to them. And I send them a message. I have no idea who they are. You know, I've never met them. They don't know me, but Ian was kind enough to respond. Ian Kibbe is a filmmaker, a film producer, a documentary maker whose recent work, Raising Bertie, is on POV, Point of View, on PBS Network. Um, it's on the forgotten people of the rural America. We always forget rural America, but even beyond forgetting rural America, we, we surely forget that there are blacks in rural America. And so Raising Bertie is about Bertie County in North Carolina. And it was a documentary that he took six years to do, man. That, now, that's when we talk about making reconciliation and racial justice work part of your spiritual da daily life, like six years is a long time to be working on a project, uh, but was kind enough to come on the show today. Ian, how are you, brother? Uh-oh. We lost your sound, Ian. Uh, change my settings. All right. I'm still learning how to use the internet. Uh, I'm good. I'm doing I'm doing pretty good. That's uh, I'm happy to be inside doing this as opposed to outside. I'm in Chicago, so it's it's cold and rainy. Uh, yeah, that's brutal. Appreciate that intro. I gotta give props to the director of the film, Margaret Byrne, though, and the DP John Stuyvesant, because I I produced this film and have spent uh, nearly five years on it, but they uh, they deserve a lot of the credit for making the story happen. So just make sure I get that their names out there. Sure. Yeah, sure. indeed. Indeed. Glad glad to have you on the show. Um, appreciate that you were so open to 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 being on the show. Uh, I was telling Case, I imagine we were talking about it in pre-show. I imagine this is one of the few times, probably the first time, I'd like to believe that you've been interviewed by two priests. And so uh, would, would love not since the church days, not since confirmation, I feel like. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> There will be no catechism questions today. Great, great. I, I, don't, I don't. I wouldn't remember. I would fail that test at this point. But. 
but it's, it's, it's cool because I think the work that you do has an important um, synapse with um, faith, with faith development. And so just as just as a softball, I'd love to hear about your your integration of your work and your faith, how one informs the other. Yeah. Okay. So um, my so my faith journey a little bit. So I was raised Episcopalian, uh, like yeah. many good Islanders are, you know, in the Christian faith, end up being Episcopalian, and um, was very active uh, churchgoer um, and, until, you know, around college. And at this point, I would consider myself, actually, I'd consider myself an atheist, but I feel like I'm still very close to the community and the lessons and things that I learned in church. I'm still very grateful for them. Um in large part about sort of the things I learned about communities, right? And how people should treat one another in the community and sort of their roles and responsibilities to that community to strengthen and, and kind of lift all ships. Um, and that I think does play a huge role in my work. Uh, you know, I, I, there are sort of different levels of community, but I do very strongly believe that we are kind of all in this together and sort of do have these sorts of um, responsibilities to one another just as humans. Uh, and, and that's, that's a big, I went to a Quaker school. That was another big part of my upbringing. And they are okay. also very big on, on community and, uh, social responsibility. Um, and so, you know, social justice work, uh, I think probably my learning and my desire and, and my sort of like, I guess, education in empathy, uh, it has very spiritual, uh, roots. Nice. Yeah, appreciate that. Thank you. Um, you know, raisingbertie.com, B-E-R-T-I-E.com. Um, I was telling in, in the intro, I kind of said that that was the first introduction to you and my reason for um, reaching out to you. I saw you on the PBS NewsHour and was intrigued by the story, right? I was like, oh, man, this is cool. And because, yes, you know, we we all the time we fail to remember rural America, right? I remember Case and, on, on Case and I in our, in our recent panel discussion, that was one of the issues that was brought up. The, the reality that we talk a lot about the problems of suburbia and urban areas, but we often leave right. out the, the complexities of rural life in America. And right. as true as that is, it's also true that even when we remember rural America, we forget that there is a black rural America, right? And so, you yeah. Know, and so I was interested into how you got, um, how Bertie got on your radar, on the radar of the production team of the entire team, mm -hmm. and why that project meant so much to get out. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you're absolutely right. Um, and now we're we're starting to talk about rural America a little bit more, but again, it's a it's the focus is much more so on white rural America. Um, so Margaret Byrne and John, uh, Stuyvesant, they went down originally to Bertie County to make a short, like promotional piece for, uh, a woman who was running a, uh, alternative school there mm -hmm. and it had, she was winning an award and, and so they were making this piece, uh, and that woman was Vivian Saunders who features prominently in the film. Right. Um, at that time they were both involved in working on another film, um, called American Promise, which follows two, you know, middle-class, uh, black well, they're really boys. I mean, they start that film follows them there for 13 years. Uh, so following these two young boys as they go through the education system at kind of a prestigious school in New York. Um, 
And so, I, you know, I think education, longitudinal filmmaking communities, how young black men are dealing with education was very much on the forefront of their mind. And so when they got to Bertie and they saw kind of the work that Vivian was doing, I think it was just sort of like, wow, here's we're telling we're, we're helping. We're involved in this other story. But there's this completely other different community that they had never seen. Margaret's from but they're both from Chicago. Okay. I'm from North Carolina originally, but they're both from Chicago. Um, and I think that they were just sort of like struck by one, the lack of visibility nationally of communities like this. And two, I think just the good work that Miss Saunders, Vivian Saunders was doing there. And, um, uh, you know, this alternative school, as you see, works primarily with young men who have been, um, you know, repeatedly suspended or sort of the educational system is not working for them or has given up on them. And she sort of takes them and brings them into this school and you can see that it's working. Um, not long into filming, so the, originally the story was just going to follow the hive for a year, which is like nice and kind of tidy and, and clean, but you know, life doesn't work like that. So not, <laughs> not uh, several months into filming, the, um, the school is shut down. Uh, budget part, you know, part of it is the board, the school board feels they can do a better job providing, you know, the socioeconomic training. Um, and so they shut the school down and that, at that point, that's really when the film pivots to say like, all right, well now what happens when in a place where there are few safety nets and very few opportunities, like what does life look like for, for young men in these communities? Right. Uh, and yeah, six years later, we, um, we, we, we stopped shooting. They were like, all right guys, you can leave now with the cameras for a while. <laughs> uh, and yeah, so that's kind of where it went. And, um, it has been, you know, it's, it's been an amazing kind of journey on that film because, Initially, when I came on, so I came on like two and a half, three years into filming um, as a producer, you know, and one of my roles was to help with the post-production, provide creative and edit. Um, and but what I really saw was like I, I had to know what was going on in these communities. So growing up in North Carolina, it's like I'm, I grew up almost two and a half hours from Bertie County. Right. It's not far. But I grew up in Chapel Hill, Durham area. Right. Surrounded by schools, surrounded right. by middle class wealth and you know um it's very it's like pretty diverse uh, economically and racially and we don't talk about places like Bertie in the middle of North Carolina and that uh I was pretty ashamed of that and so I felt um I just like I had to know what was going on in this in this community and pretty quickly I realized like there's not a lot of information out there right there isn't a lot of media or research even um documenting and talking about communities like this in America and because uh, like you said, I mean, it's like trying to say like, oh, guys, we should be paying attention to rural America. Right. That, that can be a challenge in and of itself. Right. Um, and it's like also try try to pay attention to black rural America. Right. And you kind <laughs> of like, so like and, and, and they are dealing with very different but also very similar challenges, those those communities. Um, and so for like young people in a place like Bertie, those are really compounded. Right. You have economic isolation, you have geography, you have, um, and then you have like, especially in the South, a place like Bertie, like you, you can hit that history with a rock, right. Mm. Of, uh, of industry, migration, um, sharecropping, uh, and then there's slavery. Right. And you can see, you know, you can see those generations there, right. uh, without having to go very far back and all of those things. And then, you know, the, uh, um, mass incarceration also, right? Mm -hmm. the, the only stat in the film is that there's 27 prisons in a hundred mile radius. Right. Um, one of which is built on like one of the largest plantations in North Carolina. Right. So like, it's not hard to draw those lines there. Yeah. 
uh, lets you look a little bit. Um, so I, bringing that story out and getting to people to kind of think, also to get to think holistically about these things. The thing about the film is it's not a one issue film, right? It's not just about education and it's not just about the prison industrial complex. Um, because the, the problems and challenges there aren't simple in that way, right? They are historical, um, they are system, uh, systemic. Uh, and so trying to like encourage very, uh, encourage sort of these holistic conversations where we can talk about these different things. And which is really fascinating because like every screening, people kind of like attach onto one thing or two, you know what I mean? And then someone else in the room will say like, well, no, but I think it's about this. And getting that and having seeing that conversation happen organically is, is, has been sort of one of the most rewarding parts. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm struck. One of the things that we talk a lot about uh, racial heresy, the idea of of reconciliation as a as a spiritual practice, right? Something that isn't about checking the box, right? That isn't about simplifying to one issue. Uh, ad addressing it, solving it, and then being done, right? I mean, right. that a spiritual discipline, a spiritual practice is is a lifelong work. Um, and and so much resonance with the idea of kind of that longitudinal documentary style um, and really this life that you um, have uh, as a producer, as working with these filmmakers on this long term. And I'm, I'm curious how that kind of rhythm of life where you are engaged in a particular set of relationships and a particular effort, a particular mm -hmm. work for so long, um, how that, both how you sustain that effort, right? I mean, mm -hmm. so a lot of people are like, well, I, I can go to like one protest, but that's it, right? <laughs> then I, I need the rest of my weekend to recover, you know? And here you are long-term invested. How, how do you sustain that? And how does that living life like that how does that change you how do you sustain it and how does that change you yeah i think there's like two different ways we're talking about sustainability right i mean one the like crew says is financially there's a big conversation about how whether or not docs you can sustain people and that's but we don't have to go down that road we don't have to go down that road um so we will pretend that we sustained ourselves from that documentary and all the other work, and we'll just kind of. Uh, laborers deserve to get paid, right? We'll, yeah. we'll <laughs> but I, think, you know, I, I don't think I would have been on the project if I hadn't been. Oops, sorry. If I hadn't been deeply. And the same goes for Margaret and John. If I hadn't been really deeply interested in the subject matter, I think when you pick a when you, if you are going to embark on something like that, you have to care a lot. Uh, or you have to like at least have uh, maybe an insatiable appetite for learning, right? Um, because that's what is going to sustain you, right? And I feel very fortunate to be have worked on it too, especially now, right? I mean, in, over these years, it's like given me a focal point um, to feel engaged in these conversations uh, in right, a way right. that is also part of my career, right? And that's like pretty lucky. A lot of people, they're, they have to be separate. And I've I can kind of combine those two things. Um, I think, you know, also, you know, for Margaret and John, uh, I've heard them, I'm not, I've heard them talk about this a lot. So I don't feel like I'm just speaking for them. Um, but they are, and, and myself now, like really connected to these families and to these young guys. And, um, the strength of those relationships is how you gain access, right. To the participants in a film. Right. Um, 
but also what then sustains you to want to keep telling that story and kind of honoring them. And I think that that's really hugely important. Um, that those, yeah, those relationships and that sort of, again, it's like that community responsibility. You know, you feel a responsibility to these, to these people who have, well, who have not only like given you access to their lives, um, but who become like family and real community members, right? You know, very close. Yeah. Um, but I think, yeah, I think, you know, it, um, I felt, I've have, have felt really fortunate every day to be able to work on this project and have an outlet, uh, in today's, today, in the conversation that's, that we're having today. So, right, right, right. right. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. You know, what, what, especially when you talk about the relationships that are formed and how that, how that's part of the sustainability. Um, when, when yeah. you and I, Ian talked beforehand, you, you, we spoke about the empathy that is lacking in, in our culture, in our world that would, that prevents, that presents an obstacle mm -hmm. towards reconciliation. So, you know, my goal, and this is one of the reasons that I wanted you on here, right? My goal is to get all of our listeners to watch Raising Bertie and be convicted and be, <laughs> and be, cha and be challenged in a certain way. So in, in, in understanding, listeners, that you will go to RaisingBertie.com and find out how to watch it in your local area, in preparations for that work, right? What would have to happen, Ian, within someone? What would have to happen within someone before and while watching Raising Bertie for them to gain that sort of empathy that leads them towards um, the work of reconciliation? I mean, that's a hard question. I mean, I, there's like the questions how you were, there's like Raising Bertie, right? Which right. is as a documentary film, we have an engagement guide and we have like a discussion guide that kind of gives people prompts to think about as they watch if they're interested. Um, but I think that more interestingly, like what is, how do you get people to care in general more broadly? Right. Um, you know, that's really hard, right? I wrote, you had a question on like, what do you see as one of the biggest problems um, facing racial uh, reconciliation. Right. I think, I'm kind of not sure if yeah, that's the yeah, wording. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I wrote sort of um, an ahistorical perspective that leads to a lack of empathy, something like that. Uh, we don't, we don't like know our history here, right? Um, and it, it's allowed the rise of certain narratives and kind of alternate histories uh, to lead us to places like. Uh, to, to, to land us with presidents that we might have now. Um, you know, no names I, it, being it, called. Yeah, uh, it, it's like, it, and it, it's true. I mean, you know, I'm, you're seeing more and more now people talk about Reconstruction and like what happened around Reconstruction. Mm -hmm. um, we are having, there is more data and literature that does kind of connect us to history, but I don't know if anyone is, I don't know if you're, it's reaching necessarily the people who need to read it most, mm -hmm. uh, which is kind of another concern. Um, but we, you know, we teach, we teach American history and then we teach African American history. Like they're separate, uh, entities, <laughs> right? Like they're not connected. Right. Uh, and so we, you know, we've get, we, you end up with this like false narrative of exceptionalism and, um, you know, the lie that I, I consider it a lie that like anyone can pull themselves up by their own bootstraps you know, um, yeah. some ain't got which, no boots. Which some, some people don't have any boots. Sometimes once the boots get pulled up, we just pull them right back off. Right. Um, <laughs> and 
so it makes it easy to distance yourself. Like if you don't know, if you don't, if you can't imagine, right? If you don't know how short history is, how short this history, how recent this history was, if you don't know some of the things that have happened in it, not like specifics, but you know, just if you can't accept that, if you can't be self-reflective, it is really hard to to get to a place of empathy. Um, you know, I I try little exercises, right, where I just imagine people as children, you know, as like mm-hmm. as as like toddlers, right? Because um, everyone smiles at a baby. Whenever, right? Everyone's <laughs> and just and, and, and just like if someone like cuts me off or like does something, right? That's my like little trick. I'm like, well, they were a baby once, and it's sort of like you know lets you. They were a toddler once, yeah, right? They were cute and cuddly. <laughs> but no, I mean, I think self reflection is sort of the key, right? Like, can how di- can you dig deeper enough to make yourself uncomfortable enough um, to make those connections to other people? I guess. Uh, yeah, I got more. You keep asking questions, though. We'll we'll we'll, we'll get. You know, <laughs> I, don't know I, answer, I don't know if I'm answering questions or or where you know, but it's an important conversation and and a, and a joy to listen to someone um, just try reflect and like dig that. through. Yeah. yeah, reflect like that. The, the honest assessment of of how difficult this work is, and I hope that's an encouragement to those of you who are listening. Um, that uh, nobody here has has the answers. We're we're trying to struggle through this journey. Um, no. I was I was caught with um, you know with the idea of connection um, and um, and the and the challenge big theme for Father Jabel you know about relationship and and uh, and being together and a lot of what we talk about here um, and and here you are a, a team of folks coming from the outside um, trying to to be so deeply connected with with uh, a group of normally otherwise forgotten folks and suddenly say, Hey, look, we're going to tell your story. We're, we're going to help you tell your story. We're going to tell a story. And, and the challenge uh, in filmmaking that seems to, to mirror the challenge of building relationships um, in this case, uh, you know, across a lot of those divides, right across a lot of those divides of reconciliation across socioeconomic background, across race, uh, you know, across gender, uh, across all world views, even, you know, how, how do you, um, or even how did you, but h- how do you enter in and build those kinds of relationships that make both the work of individual reconciliation and this, and this enabling work of reconciliation through art and through filmmaking possible? Time. And, and it really, I mean, you know, time and patience and spending time with people, uh, a lot of times with in documentary, at least with the camera off. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm now I'm speaking from myself and from, you know, my conversations with them and other artists may have totally different approaches. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's all, it's all about trust and making yourself vulnerable and, and being there and coming back there, um, you know all the sorts of normal things that you do to make re- to make friends, right? <laughs> or to like mm-hmm. connect with people. Right. Um, you have to do that that same work uh, on a documentary um, because ultimately, like, I don't know. I don't think any of us on our team are interested in making stories about people we don't care about. And when I say care, I don't mean like, oh, I care about what's happening there, but like actually are connected to. Care about that person. Um, Right, exactly. Um, And, you know, to get there, 
takes time and you know you're gonna fight sometimes and you're gonna stop calling one another and you're gonna it is a lot like family right you know and it's like and um well and, it, you, and it's also not always it's also not always possible i mean there is a big conversation in the documentary world about agency and who gets to tell you whose stories i mean for a long time the documentary world has been like uh maybe not necessarily wealthy but like you know somewhat stable white filmmakers making stories about you know ex disenfranchised group you know right. yeah and um so that's a big conversation i don't think that it's impossible to do that right i think you have to be really honest about with your participants in the film and with yourself about what can you de get what how is this going to change the story who do you need to bring in to make that story better um you know i think uh it's like sort of like the myth of colorblindness or the you know fallacy of colorblindness. There are fil filmmakers out there and artists out there who are like these can all be overcome, right? It's it's like it's like we're the same, and that's not the answer, right? It's like uh, it, just like in the real world, it's not the answer to do that when you're making a film. It's to to sort of like acknowledge those things and um, you know, right? Make them part, yeah. So, wow, wow. Okay. Mostly so time, mostly time. You know, I, I mean, I've I've been thoroughly enjoying this conversation, but as you speak about time, I know that you have a tight schedule because work is calling. Uh, you, 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 I know you have a shoot in a, in a few, and you want one more question, Case? I got, I got one more oh, well, too. Yeah, we got a little time. No, we got a little time. Okay, good. Um, well, I got a I got a bunch of questions, but <clears throat> and I want to come back because I feel like we're not we're just like scratching the surface right yeah, now. Yeah, indeed. You know I mean? All right, all right. <laughs> it's part good two. Surface, part but, two. You know. Six years. Yeah. For six years, we will no. Uh, <laughs> We're gonna need to build this relationship, guys. <laughs> well, and and so, um, well, I've got I've got two. If, if we can throw them in here, we'll see. But um, the the first is as you talk about you know building those relationships and 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 getting in fights and things like that. Uh, again, when we talk about a spiritual discipline, you, you're gonna fail at that, right? You're gonna right. make mistakes. And I'm curious if you have a particular example in mind where you know you or someone or somebody got hurt, somebody overstepped bounds, somebody um, made a mistake. And yet, and and how were you able to recover from that and maintain the relationship to 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 even reconcile in that in that small way that kept the larger work um, yeah, going? Yeah, yeah. In the film, I mean, I I feel like what we were talking about is so, so at, at the key, right? Like, in what is often hard in this work is giving people the space to make mistakes, right? Mm -hmm. Um, or giving yourself the space to make mistakes, mm -hmm. right? Like white people end up not wanting to talk about this because they're so afraid to make a mistake. Mm -hmm. um, right. <laughs> and so they stay quiet, right? Which is not helpful to anyone. And often minorities, people of color, um, you know, are are frustrated that one, don't have want, want to be in the position to have to explain to all white people what the, what's going on um, all the time. Um, but two, like when these conversations get in, oftentimes, they get hot fast, right? Because oh, they yeah. feel like life or death issues because they are life or death issues. Right. Um, and so like getting getting to that, we're going to make mistakes space and we're, we're okay with that and we're going to heal and come back is really, really hard. Um, on the film, sometimes when people overstepped or, or something... I mean, they'd go through periods where, like, you wouldn't hear from someone for, like, several months, right? Uh, or they wouldn't let you into their house or something for, for whatever reason. Um, 
but I can't think of any like specific Margaret would probably be able to answer that question better. Like <laughs> where they were like, no, you have to, but you know, I think it's, again, it's just showing like a commitment to coming back even, you know, it's like, look, you can ignore me, but we're still going to bug you. <laughs> uh, mm. it's like, you know, we're still going to, we're still going to be here. And at a certain point you have to respect that. Um, we also like try, you know, we, with the participants in the film, they see the, the cut before it's out, before it's done. Uh, and they know that and they, you know, need to have some ownership, not necessarily in like the artistic every like, you know, like, oh, this shot's like a little too long. Can you cut that down? But sort of like the um, overarching like story and how they're being mm-hmm. portrayed. And so like letting them know that they have that that agency is 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 an I think, important part of the process. Um, but yeah, I had this. I, so this is separate. I had this interaction recently that was kind of like this. And it, it's not mm-hmm. a it's not a success story. Um, but one of failure and I think just sort of like shows kind of some of the difficulties. So we, we were at, we actually had a, um, a screening of the film and was doing a Q and a, uh, and someone asked about one of these questions about trust. And I, and I used the word subjects when I was talking about, oh, and the subjects in the film, and this is a group of researchers and this young woman came up and she was like a young African-American woman. I mean, I, yeah, I think she must've been in grad school based on the crowd. And she was like, hey, I'm pissed that you use that word and I don't want you using it anymore. And I was like, oh, wait, what are we talking about? She was like, oh, subjects. And I was like, oh, which is like the common documentary term is to yeah. use subjects, right? Or has been. But it's right. also um, not the right term because it makes them sound like research subjects. So she was coming at it from this like research. Like as researchers, we don't call them subjects. They're participants or they're people in the film. Mm-hmm. And I, I was like, wow, you know, I would like kind of heard that but had not really had that conversation. Right. So I was trying to engage with her to kind of like get more. I was like, oh, well, so like, what do you, where is this in the, re- like, where's the background in the research world from this? And like, what's the conversation that the research world is having about this? And um, she kind of told me a few things, but I could tell she did, she was done kind of, right? Like she was, yeah. she wasn't engaging with me mm-hmm. anymore at that point. And, uh, and walked off. So I took my lumps and I, for like a little bit, I was frustrated. I was like, you know, Hey, I was, I wanted to learn. I'm totally, she was absolutely right. I'm trying to learn now. But then as you think about that, it's like, look, she's probably does that all the time, not all the time, but often. Right. And every time someone like that has to come up to somebody to correct them or to tell them yeah. their piece, I think it requires an, an immense amount of emotional energy, right. especially if you're a person of color and you're a woman, right? right. Like she no. is no. used to probably men like me, not, seeing her uh and i did say i was like well i'm actually mixed race but we kind of like blew through it right it didn't necessarily matter in that moment right i'm still a white guy on the front of this at the front of the stage um so neither of us quite got what we wanted out of that conversation right Mm -hmm. and part of that was just like the timing and the and the context we were having it in uh but she didn't necessarily hear me and i found myself frustrated by it when really it was it's like totally understandable right that she wouldn't she like to steal herself to come talk to me right and then it's not her responsibility i'm not her responsibility uh she was brave enough to not brave but like you know smart enough to come and i did learn something from it so like it didn't feel like a win actually so maybe it's not a story of failure it didn't feel like a win in the moment but like (laughs) you know i guess that's the thing right like uh you win some and you lose some and you like hope with time that your your losses turn to wins uh and so yeah, that was one of those those places where I was like, wow, if we both had a little more patience and give, we probably would have like really nailed that. We didn't. It doesn't feel great, but there's still something that I think that we probably did get out of it. So. Wow. Yeah. Oh. 
Yeah. It does. It takes a lot of takes a lot of time, a lot of emotional energy. But you guys know that. You guys do this time <laughs> professionally. Yeah, indeed, indeed, indeed. Um, definitely appreciate case. I think I think you said you had two, right? Well, yeah, I got time for one more. Okay, okay. Um, well, we we just start speaking of blowing through. Um, so let let's put a let's put a marker down for for interview number two, where okay. um where you bring up the. You, your own experience as a mixed race person, a person of of many heritages, and and how that how that affects yeah, your I, work and how I you live. To, and... I wanted to let that linger for a while because I was afraid that our listeners would stop listening to him when they realized that he wasn't the white man that he's presenting himself to be. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's beautiful. I mean, we that's how I operate. Father Joel and I talk about. We talk about all the time, you know, trying to have this conversation across the color line. And and most of the time, um, pretty much all the time, I'm standing on one side and he's standing on the other. And, and we finally have uh, and we have a guest here with us sharing openly and honestly about straddling that line. So we got to get back to that. Um, but yeah. but we can't do that in one question. So I'm not going to go there right now. Um, I, I, I was going to I was going to ask, you know, so um, what. Our listeners, you know, our a lot of our audience um, is is in the Christian church, um, and I'm curious what you would like, um, what you would like the church, the church universal, the the people of faith out there, um, you know, what what do you want them to take away? What is there some um, message? Encourage? I don't know something uh, from this work. If, if you would have for the church, having grown up. Um, you know, being where you are in relationship with that now and, and, and looking from maybe the outside or, or again, straddling another line, um, what you might say to the church from your work um, as the church now in, tries to engage more deeply with the work of racial reconciliation? Go, give me an easy one to go out on, huh? Yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> how would you, how, what would you want the church to do? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I think in a place, specifically in places in rural communities, really all communities, but in rural communities, churches are are huge seats of, um, I don't know, power is not the right word, but um, they're very well connected to the community. You see in the film that Vivian is able to get a donation from the church for this new building, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, uh, they, so they have some... They have so there's a lot of opportunities and responsibilities they have to that community as part of that collective um, to support not only the spiritual um, you know uh, direction that the community takes but also you know the educational the economic um, you know places like rural communities are in and, and rural citizens are really resourceful right and they if they are more, the more connected that they are, I think, right. If the more, the more that they work on collaborative action, um, the more power that they have. So if you are a church in a rural community, who are the people in your community like Vivian Saunders that maybe you could support or where are those needs in your community that, that you can, um, find young, young people who you can mentor or develop. Um, because that those make those sorts of efforts make, um, a huge amount of impact. Um, God, more broadly, uh, you know, I think, God, this is, I don't have time to answer this one right now. (laughs) (laughs) Because I mean, I think it's like part part of this kind of get back to some of the core mission, right. Um, Mm. around poverty and, um, and you know, 
uh, and again, I'll keep using this word and community and like, who are the, you know, what are the, what are the core lessons and things that the church does already so well, um, but sometimes loses sight of, and particularly with the polit, with, you know, the political world we live in now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, uh, but I'm let me get back to you on that one. All right. Let me get back to you. So I can give you All specifics. Right. I think it's like I think any and this that also applies not to just churches, but I think rural citizens like look right, look around. There are a lot of Vivian Saunders out there. Um, there are a lot of day days and buds, and um, you know you can do a lot of work just you know not looking too far from home. Yeah, indeed, yeah. indeed. Amen, man. We appreciate you spending some extra time with us and the yeah. depth of conversation and the depth of exploration that you were willing to to, to take in this. Um, and, and, and I hope our viewers, our listeners and viewers really appreciate that. Again, the site is RaisingBertie.com. Bertie is B as in boy, E-R-T as in Tom, I-E as in Edward, RaisingBertie.com. Find out how to watch it. I'm sure at that website, right, you can download yeah. the study guide. We just, launched our, we just launched our new website. We got links uh, to the discussion guide and how you can host a screening and get in touch with us and um so yeah we'd love to we'd love to screen anywhere have to take this conversation out yeah absolutely and we want to keep the conversation going with you all be sure to join if you're not already a member of our facebook group go to racialheresy.com slash facebook we take an application y'all because we want to make sure that it's a safe space to have these conversations because we trust in that we're going to be vulnerable with each other and that space needs to be protected that space needs to remain sacred so that's why we do ask you to go to racialheresy.com slash facebook fill out a brief and quick application and hop on over and then get and joining on the discussion uh until next time i'm father jabril and i'm father case imploring you to risk it all and exercise whatever power and privilege you have to become a racial heretic and now here it is your moment of sin. i would tell you that robert e lee was an honorable man uh he was a man that uh, gave up uh gave up his country to fight for his state, which in 150 years ago was more important than country. It was always loyalty to state first back in those days. Uh, now we're, it's different today. Uh, but the, 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 the lack of an ability to compromise uh, led to the Civil War. And uh, men and women of good faith on both sides made their stand where their conscience uh, had them make their stand. Thank you for listening to Racial Heresy. Be sure to visit our website, racialheresy.com, to post your questions, comments, and feedback, and to share your own stories of life as a racial heretic. Want to hear more? You can find past episodes of Racial Heresy on iTunes and the Racial Heresy website. Want to hear even more? Invite Racial Heresy to speak at your conference, council, church, training, or event. Email us at ebonyandivory at racialheresy.com or visit our website for information on speaking engagements.